0: And welcome to the next instalment of Now for Something Completely Machinima. This week we're going to be discussing films and I'm joined by Ricky Grove. Hey there. And Tracy Harwood. Hello. Um, so unfortunately Phil is still uh throwing up somewhere. <laughs> um we haven't heard anything uh, from Didn't him. we
1: get a try didn't he try to call during our last episode?
0: I don't know. I had my phone on mute, so it was vibrating, but you know, I didn't I'd check. So did. yeah, I thought
1: I got a, I thought I heard the recording in there.
0: If we <laughs> get it, we'll play it for the next time. All right. <laughs> um. So he did choose a film, which we will talk about. But obviously, he won't be um talking about it himself. But uh, we'll get to that uh, later on in the show. And we're going to start off with my film selection. Um which is the folklore of Phasmophobia. Now, um, phasmophobia is a game that has become very popular over the last two years, especially with uh, lockdowns and everything, because it's good for streaming. You get lots of people streaming it, but it's also a really good community game. The idea is the player is a ghost hunter, either playing by himself or with a group of people, and you go into a house or a school or various locations and you have to search the building for clues to figure out what kind of ghost is in there. And you've got some various bits of equipment. You can only carry three items. So you have to be careful what you choose. And if you've got a team, you can sort of combine uh, resources because you can figure out who's going to carry what. And it's a very scary game, but it's also a lot of fun. But the other side of it is there isn't much backstory to it other than there's all these different kinds of ghosts and you go in and figure out which one it is. So the, the video I've chosen is someone who's taken the list of ghost names and they've done the research to figure out how accurate is the game with these ghost descriptions to actual lore about these different mythological creatures and um, it's kind of like a documentary style video using footage from the game and I thought this is something slightly different because it's not really a let's play video but it's not really a a story video or anything else it's kind of i don't know what do you guys think
1: i thought it was marvelous um it it, i would sort of classify it as an explainer video you know the kind of thing where it shows you the information it's going to cover and then goes in detail but it's done via machinima inside of a game which i thought is extremely creative early in the uh, previous segment we had talked about the fact that uh uh, people were doing, recreating scenes from Hollywood blockbuster movies. Well, this is an example of somebody's imagination. And they said, well, I've, I know a lot about this. I'd like to share my knowledge and also show people how much fun the game is. And they did a great job. I think the information in, in it is fascinating. It's a great combination of game footage and graphics. She does a really good job uh, with graphics in it. She's smart. She's smart. Uh, it's a f- fun video to watch. It, it makes you smile and laugh. Some, a few small criticisms is that um, it's a bit long. I think it could have been shortened a bit or done in a couple episodes, like maybe an episode for two ghosts and then another episode for another one. Also, I was a little disappointed in the fact that the game footage tended to be the same kind of thing. People wandering around with their thing And it didn't actually show the ghost that she's talking about. Mm -hmm. She used a graphic to depict it. Now, I suspect that's another example of the problems of of the game engine itself, trying to get footage of this. Um, Maybe it's one of those things where if you encounter, if you try to get really good footage of it, you die, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, But I would have wished for a little more game footage in it. Um, and a little, little less uh, uh, commentary. But overall, I just thought it was marvelous example of creative machinima. Um, um, it's an interesting topic, and I'm really glad you picked it. Mm.
0: Uh, just to answer your, think, your comment about the ghost, the, the visual appearance of the ghost is not a clue to the type of ghost it is. So there's about six or seven different um, ghost 3D models, but they don't. it doesn't tie into the type of ghost it is. So, um, so that's why she hasn't actually done that. Is because that's the way the game is designed, because otherwise you can just look at the ghost and say, oh, that's that kind of ghost and then leave. There's no, you're not looking for the clues. I see. Yeah. I just wanted to answer that. But yeah, Tracy, what do you think?
2: Mm, yeah. Well, actually, you know, my points are very similar to Ricky's really. Actually, I think we should have perhaps saved this one for Halloween because um, <laughs> it kind of fits that that theme really nicely. Uh, um, I, you know, I thought it was more of a let's play. Um but, you know, um, I also thought it was a very good explainer. And I think the narrator there does a pretty good job of explaining what the different types of ghostly creatures are in the game um, and, yes. and, the, and the kind of the mythos behind each of them. But I have to say, it doesn't really cut it for me for a number of reasons. One is um, the explainer is actually pretty academic and, and kind of lacks um, a bit of emotion that I might have expected on the subject. I mean it's very rationalizing and quite monotonic um, about these yeah. kind of um sort of sets of cultural beliefs to do with folklore of ghosts from different cultural perspectives. Um interesting though, I have to say. Um I thought the machinima itself was pretty jerky, doesn't really reveal the characters. So it's, but I'm glad you explained that because you know I might have been expecting for the the type of um ghost she was talking about to be revealed. In the footage that we were seeing, and and it wasn't, it, or or at least ways my expectations weren't met through that. Um, and I I actually thought when I was watching that it was probably a missed opportunity um, to liven things up in the presentation if she'd have made more of an effort to explain why they're not the same. Hmm. Um, yeah. So what you see for me is a bit of, from my point of view, really is a, is a is a bit of poking around a a building which after about 20 minutes of monologue becomes really quite um, repetitive um, with the areas being explored for the different types of phantasm being described and and being viewed again and again and again Um, uh, but all of that said there's clearly a lot of research that's gone into the narrative side of it which has to be commended Um, and the video itself I think, isn't actually targeting those that might play the game, but those that want to know more about the mythology. And then when you look at this this streamer's channel, that's all about what she's posting about, uh, um, which uh. is the general mythos in games, uh, you know, rather than the gameplay itself. So overall, interesting, but but I have some sort of reservations in terms of the entertainment side of it excellent
1: criticism. I yeah. couldn't have put it better. I think it's another example of those things where we look at a film and um, a machinima film that was made on the rough and ready, because obviously it was, I mean, effort was done into it, but it wasn't a carefully crafted piece. It fits into that sort of coarse machinima. And then we we look at the ideal and we say, well, it could have been this, you know. <laughs> um, I agree with you, especially about the narration Uh, I don't think the person is used to doing a lot of narration, which is why they fall into patterns of speech Mm. that are repeated over and over again. Like you say, academic or monotonic. Um, So a little coaching would have solved that problem easily.
2: Also, Mm.
1: factually, I don't know enough about ghosts to see whether it was all correct. My partner, Lisa uh, Morton has written several books on uh, ghosts and uh, revenants and that sort of thing. It'd be interesting to run this by her to see whether it's true, but I suspect most of it probably is, because mm-hmm. she just sounds. She looks like a person who would work really hard to to get things accurate. Uh, the potential of the film is fantastic, as you say, uh, but I think you're right. More craft work, more effort to try to make it easier for viewers to watch. More game footage, trying to solve that problem of getting ghosts in it as opposed to using graphics i think that would have made it a better film Mm.
2: good pick though
0: yeah good pick really good pick i'm glad you enjoyed it for for the the good parts of it and i can understand your criticism of it as well but yeah yeah, i enjoyed it i was was looking at videos with the game because i've played the game a lot and i thought i wonder if anyone's made any machinima with it and there was lots of let's play videos but this one kind of stood out as something a little bit different Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well, let me talk to you quickly about my uh, pick. It's not a fictional film. It's more of a kind of demonstration, uh, nonfiction film. It's an example of what you can achieve with path tracing rendering in uh, and, and NVIDIA's omnivore machinima. Uh, the scene is absolutely gorgeous. It shows you the kind of rendering you can do. Of course, remember uh, the... Uh, omniverse requires a fairly high-end graphics card from nvidia to work correctly so that's Mm -hmm. a caveat the scene is really interesting it's a robot who is in this sort of upper class pseudo victorian environment Mm -hmm. with uh, paintings and the robot of course, the contrast between the two is very amusing because there's this very mechanical kind of thing and yet there's a curiosity in the robot when he looks at the paintings you can imagine him trying to figure out what what that's all about then he ends up sitting down but that's all incidental to the demonstration of of how you can achieve the uh, look and so the first half is this scene with the robot and then the second half is showing inside of the Omniverse Machinima how how they're achieving it and what they're doing to make it real time. Um, I wanted to share with everybody the, the fantastic look that you can get with Omniverse Machinima, and that's why I chose this film. What did you guys think?
2: Hmm. I was wondering why you selected, actually. Um, Jay, we, we reviewed one of his pieces last month as well, which is, which is really interesting that you um, picked this completely separately at that. Mm. Um, yeah, this path testing stuff is really um, quite interesting. Like, you know, that robot, the environment, the TV and all the things that he kind of brought together. None of them are things that he's created himself. They're all things by other artists. So it really is a kind of a tutorial focusing on light. Um, and I have to say all of his tutorials are really impressive. Um, and for me, what you can see here is how sophisticated that light source bounce, this kind of, what do they call it, path tracing um, right. yeah. a- actually is. I mean, it's a really impressive overview of what I would say is a really advanced tool, which helps to create more realistic content. And and what's more, it's demonstrating how you can kind of uh, achieve it in real time, this real time um, path tracing. Really, really impressive. And that's obviously... What's going into things like the, um, uh, you know, the, the strange new worlds that you talked about um, uh, and the way that that's that should kind of shot in real time. There's one bit where I thought, you know what, I'm not sure that, that actually worked, which was at around 17 seconds when the when that robot stands there in front of some paintings on a wall and the window light source appears to be sort of far off to the right of the robot but the light on the robot itself seems to be a little more behind it than off to the side. Ah. And now I don't, I mean, I looked for that because, you know, it's clear that what he's trying, he's trying to show here is this demo. And I looked for sort of, I don't know. I was trying to be nitpicky, I suppose. Anomalies. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that to me just, I don't know whether it was, uh, you know, that didn't work so well for, for me, but maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I've misunderstood where the original light source was kind of coming from, yeah, yeah, yeah. in that in that particular scene, but in the next um, shot, you definitely get a sense of the light and the color bounce from that sort of orangey sofa that's in the room, yeah, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then when you start, you know, I played it several times to so look at where that light is bouncing to see what I could see was kind of going on, and you see that orangey light bouncing on lots of things like the vase, like the you know the robot's skin and. And, you know, a few different, uh, you know, like almost on the books as well uh, in in that shot. So, yeah, really, really fascinating, um, ex, ex, you know, video explainer, really. There's yeah. no, no talking in it at all, but a nice little video explainer of what path tracing is. But you need to do a little bit more background on what path tracing is and the difference between that and rasterization and ray tracing. Um in order to kind of really get to what he's what he's alluding to in that little video um, i suspect
1: and- in that uh, the uh, pamphlet that we talked about earlier the animation field guide to real-time production they may cover some of that in it yeah
2: so. yeah well i just mentioned that because you know yeah. i i thought that was a really interesting demo of it well you know i
1: i, I agree with you and i think uh, nitpicking is exactly what you should do in, in these sorts of uh, demos if they're uh bragging about their technology if you see inconsistencies, as you point them out I, I suspect that this tool will be more beneficial to professional mm. producers of real-time production than it will be to the everyday kind of machinima filmmaker mm. however you know there are those people who really love the look of things and they want it to look great you if you wanted to create a professional grade um and you want to sell it this would be the direction to go mm-hmm. using Nvidia, nvidia's omniverse it's free right now they still haven't released an official version of it yet i don't think
2: yeah i believe you it's know, free. I,
1: yeah yeah and it's still free mm-hmm. so it's worth experimenting with you know taking a look at because they gave you lots of assets um there isn't quite as large a community as i thought there would be when it came out uh, but there are some uh, live stream tutorials and regular tutorials it's a bit cumbersome the way they've designed it. Uh, I suspect if it stays around, they'll fix that in the future. Uh, but anyway, uh, I hope you, I'm glad you guys liked the choice. I thought it was an interesting one.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. I mean, JS Films, I've been following his channel for a while because I've been learning how to use Omniverse and he's he covers lots of different engines, but his Omniverse tutorials are really helpful at learning um, how to use the basics of the software. And they're not very long, so if you're learning Omniverse, go and check out his tutorials, and he covers a lot. And it's worth taking the time to do that. Um, So little tests like this, again, it's very helpful just to get an idea of how it looks. And he's got that sort of the the behind the scenes bit as a second half of the video, so you can see how he used iClone and um, Omniverse together to animate the robot. Uh, Tracy, when you were talking about the light, I went back and had a look at it. Uh, the answer is there's two light sources. Yeah. Because when the robot walks away, there's yeah. two shadows on the wall.
2: Yeah. Ah. So, yeah. So there's another window that you don't see in any of the, the scenes. Is that what yeah. you're yeah. saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it mm. could just be a, a light source that's behind the robot, behind the camera, so you can't see it, but just yeah. enough to light it up.
2: Yes. That's not well explained in there, though, is it? There As you what, go. You...
0: <laughs> that's a <the> criticism.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: Good
1: choice, uh, uh, Damien. Can you tell us about Phil's
0: choice for a film? Uh, I think we should talk about Tracy's film first.
2: Yeah, let's do and mine I... and then and then Phil's because we have got a nice little discussion topic or kind okay. of related, Phil. Yeah, all right. So uh, you know, with the with with you having had last month dedicating your time to Elden Ring, I thought this was a perfect choice. This is tiny Elden Ring. This is um, made using tilt shift. It's by an artist called Fleur Day, Dutch artist, uh, released in April. It's a three minutes long taster of Elden Ring, but it puts it in a uh, in a really interesting light um, using this kind of tilt shift time-lapse, turning characters into these miniatures um, to give a kind of a stop mode type feel to it. Uh, and also turns you you, yourself, the viewer, into this kind of godlike person, sort of overlording the the lives of these tiny creatures in this kind of fantasy world. Now, Fleur Day, or, or Kevin Henson, his name is, um, has a whole channel de- dedicated to these, um, you know, t- tiny, tiny views, these um, uh, tilt shift views of, of game worlds, and it gives you this, you know, it really gives you a different view of, of the games themselves and. He's clearly somebody that loves the beauty of these video games. So he says his goal is to focus on the environment and also the life and the characters living in these in these worlds. I think what's interesting with this one though is that the the soundscape for it is is you know, it's so obviously complementary. Um it isn't tampered with in any way in in, in the same way that the visuals are. Um and what's interesting is it's kind of slow and soulful where, where the what you're seeing is kind of speeded up and, you know, bobbling about um, and it kind of puts you into the mood of being this voyeur rather than being somebody that's sort of in the game, viewing the game from inside the game. Um, and I think, you know, what's interesting here is that folks have described it as kind of nostalgic, familiar yet distant, adorable magical spectacular dioramic tabletop and um even poetic um i think i found it all of those uh all of those things what did you guys think to it
1: oh tracy what a wonderful choice um especially considering i've been non-stop elden ring for months, (laughs) months, <laughs> uh, months since March, you know, and by the way, I noticed your background is Elden Ring yes. as well. <laughs> Pretty cool. Let me uh, I to answer. I'm going to respond to this in two parts. The first part is what is tilt shift? Mm-hmm. Um, tilt shift is a combination of time lapse photography with a very special way of using blur filters. You 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 create a thin band at the center of the, your image, which is crystal clear. And then everything from that above and below are uh, gradiated blurred images. And what that does is it creates a photographic effect that takes the sort of realism of the scene and turns them into tiny little models. So they say, for example, you take a beach scene, a wide angle beach scene, and you put the tilt of a shift effect on it and you do time-lapse and it makes them all seem like little toys little toy models so that's the effect that tilt shift photography i can't imagine how he actually did it inside of elden ring but it is just magnificent and having played elden ring so much i knew every scene and every character that he was depicting and his choices of scenes were just fantastic in fact i'm surprised that he didn't make it longer because there's even more crazy and weird places in there. But what it did was exactly as you describe it created a kind of detached poetic observation, because I think tilt shift tutorials talk about how you need to have a sort of elevated mm-hmm. angle. You need to be up and looking down a bit in order to get the best tilt shift effect. So I think that naturally occurred in doing tilt shift, his efforts to do tilt shift. And it created a way of looking at the game that was completely different from being down inside of it and playing Mm. it on the inside and it just was enchanting to me and as you say you point out the wonderful uh music that was worked with it i immediately uh, loved it so much i started watching all the others and they're all equally as fascinating but Mm. the the second part i wanted to uh, uh, mention was the mod that he used to be able to photograph elden ring it is, um, it's a photo mod uh, by an artist who does mods. Uh, and it, it's terrific. It allows you to be able to position the camera, uh, path, uh, uh, path the camera, uh, change the lenses, do slow-mo, uh, record, and then go back and redo stuff again. The problem is, is that he's got it on a Patreon channel. And if you want to get it, you have to pay uh, six euros a month. That's the lowest you could get. So I suppose you could get it and end up paying for a year, which is, what, 72 euros for the year. That's a bit high priced for this. I don't know whether he's got a block if you get the mod and use it for just a month and then keep it, whether it just stops. You know what I mean? Like he's got a built-in thing in it. I suspect if you're a machinima filmmaker and you want to try out this thing to create something, you could rent it for two months and it would cost you 12 euros to do it. I really wished he would have created a buy it now package for like forty nine ninety five or something. Mm-hmm. Although I think this sort of thing should be given free to the community. Uh, I understand why people may be making a living out of it. And I can understand why he put it on his Patreon channel. But just a like warning for anybody who wants to use this photo mod for Elden ring, you'll have to pay some money for it. But I would very much like to talk to this um, uh, uh, filmmaker, uh, kevin hansen and find out how he did this tilt shift photography so i'm going to take that under my uh, a goal is to talk to him get an interview with him but thank you for choosing this It's just delightful it made me so happy
0: <laughs> welcome i i have to say this is one of the best films i've seen that we've chosen for quite some time and it's just something about the way it looks mm-hmm. and uh tracy mentioned nostalgia and it kind of it's kind of got like a stop motion feel to it, the way the characters move. And, you know, it kind of reminds, like reminds me of things like Dark Crystal and stuff like that, with the, just the way the characters move and the, the visual style of it. And um, it's just really stunning. I don't know what else I can say about it. I don't know the game. I figured when I was watching it, Ricky's going to know every single character and he's going to know yes. all these different locations.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been through the game twice. I just finished the second time yesterday. <laughs>
0: Obviously, you really enjoy it. and uh, Oh, I do. I was going to ask you about um, if you recognize it, but you already beat me to it. <laughs> you did. <Yeah>. So.
1: <laughs> it's a very strange experience because in the game, there are certain characters that are so huge
0: uh-huh. that the
1: scale of being able to perceive them is it's meant to be intimidating, right? Yeah. But when you see it in that tilt shift thing, it reduces them to little toys. And then your character is even smaller than that. <laughs> which makes them sort of cute, <laughs> strange, <laughs> strange, <laughs> strange,
0: but cute. It was fun. I don't know what it looks like from the player's perspective, but in the video is that four legged creature with a sort of a bell thing hanging down. I imagine that must be massive in the game. Those are the mausoleums, right? Yeah,
1: they they there are about seven of them in the world and they walk around. And what you do is you you figure out a method to be, be able to get them to stop moving and then inside they allow you to duplicate remembrances of bosses that you've killed. Because when you kill the boss, you get their weapon. Right. So so oftentimes you get two weapons. So you can only choose one. Well, if you go to the mausoleums, you can go in and get duplicate the remembrance to get both weapons. So that's why they're in the game.
0: That's a nice trick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. By the way,
1: Elden Ring is just marvelous. If you haven't played it, I I can't I can't urge you more. It's, just, it's a marvelous game. Very difficult, though I have to say, very difficult.
2: Yeah, we've he- we've been hearing you talk about it for months. I keep months.
1: wanting to try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't been uh, uh, struck by a game like this for couple decades you know Mm -hmm. it's so much fun i think my roommates and my partner lisa are getting sick of me playing (laughs) elden ring you know so i have to turn the volume down and sort of surreptitiously go in and play (laughs) yeah okay let's talk about phil's film
0: yeah Uh, So, Phil chose a film called What a Typical Project Zomboid Run Looks Like. I've never played Zomboid Run, so I've never, I, never, I haven't never—I even heard of it before. But um, the video he chose is it, um, basically a guy running out of his house and getting surrounded by zombies and killed, which I know I just spot the whole film, but it's only a minute long. <laughs> but it's mixed in with live-action footage, which I believe is from The Walking Dead. Um... One of the very early episodes the character looks kind of familiar but it's been so long since i've watched those early episodes oh that, uh if anyone knows this from something else please correct me in the feedback and we'll correct ourselves next week uh next month but um that, that is the let's the, the go for the video and uh i thought it was an interesting way to combine the, the footage from the, the zombie tv show with a zombie game uh and it's got kind of a bit of humor to it because uh And as we through some of the comments saying, this is what typically happens when you first play it. (laughs) Um, So what do you think?
2: Yeah, well, I thought it did very well in an incredibly short machinima to, I think fairly accurately put over the challenge of the game. Uh, I mean, with very, very few sound, very few sounds, really muffled speaking. Um, and and kind of these pop cultural references through the through the um, live action stuff, um, and with references to the the soundscape, you kind of get the frustration and the humor associated with it. Um, and the and the scenes uh, cut in show how your character kind of quickly gets overrun, and then the scenes from some real life movie, which I didn't know which it was, wouldn't be something that I'd probably seen or taken note of, and or if I saw it, it'd be like in the 80s or something. Right. Um, and then these news channel sections, I, I thought was kind of an interesting intersection, although actually I thought the news <sighs> channel section was too long, given that the other scenes were so short. So short, right. Um, but overall, I thought the comedic timing was great. The humor and the editing was pretty well done. Um, yeah.
1: I could see Phil choosing this
2: yeah me too Uh, because
1: he has such a great sense of humor for absurd and um uh situations that just come out of nowhere you know i think this is a great example of the kind of machinima that uh, the mood of the machinima which is funny and sort of coarse and satire it's Mm -hmm. a satiric video very much like early machinima uh creations where they would put it together it's delightful to see that that spirit is still alive today mm-hmm. in uh 2022 machinima uh it obviously it was made fast it's a bit sloppy but that's part of the appeal to it, mm-hmm. it, it it's sloppy um i thought that the now as far as far as the legal issues of them using clips from walking dead it qualifies for fair use because it's satire mm-hmm. And it's also short enough that they're not taking, they're not in, I mean, Tracy, you didn't even know it's from The Walking Dead. So Mm. they're not taking profits away from Walking Dead because of it, but their use of it and the timing in which they edited it was just very, very amusing and witty. Mm. Um, And the combination of the two, I thought were the, the sort of real clips and then the game being so silly and simple. It made a strange, you wouldn't think that they would mix together, you know, but they did. Yeah. Uh, And it was quite funny. Um, I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed the sloppiness and and the fun and made it even better. Um, And I'm glad to see that the machinima like
0: this is still being made. I agree with you, Ricky, about the the contrast because The Walking Dead is obviously a very stark, serious show. So to use clips from that in a, a way that's funny by combining it with this game, as it makes it even funnier because it's not what you expect.
1: <laughs> yes. yes, especially if you know The Walking Dead, it makes it even funnier.
0: Yeah. So uh, obviously Phil can't um, comment on his film choice uh, this month, but his it does lead into our discussion topic, which is combining live action video with real people with machinima footage. And we've kind of been t- sort of, discussing this in various ways for a while now, including last month's pick, which had the the Top Gun parody, which had the real Mm -hmm. actors flying the planes, but the plane footage was
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, from a flight simulator. And we've seen that some other examples of it. But um, we decided to dedicate an actual discussion to this. So uh, who would like to go first? Well, I think
1: you should, because you actually made a machinima film that combined live action with machinima. Mm -hmm. So you know what it's like from a production standpoint. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that film and how you made it and your thoughts about uh, live action combined with machinima.
0: All right, so it was about 10 years ago and it's an annual project I work on with a friend of mine, Kim, who lives in uh, Portland, Oregon. And she runs a social media site for role-playing games, so you, you create your character and have a profile for that, and you can find other people to, to play with. And it's for the anniversary event. Um, she likes to do like a, a big special thing for the every year to celebrate the site's birthday and opening. So we've been making some sort of promotional videos using Movie Storm, and we thought, well, let's do this, but in a bigger way for Epic Week, which is the anniversary. So what we did was. We crafted a story and it was going to use people's characters who would submitted them to the site. We would have a little contest so people could s- submit their characters so we actually had permission to use them. So we weren't just grabbing people without asking. And then we're going to use some live action footage to represent the real world. Um, so what we did is I went to visit her in Portland and I was staying in a hotel and we did some footage, some of the filming was in the hotel room. We got some green card and we stuck it all across the wall. We were really hoping that no one from housekeeping would come in and see what we'd done. Because <laughs> we had to move all the furniture out of the way so we had some space. We didn't want, you know, chairs in the, in, <laughs> blocking the green screen. And um, so she came to the hotel room, she got into her ball gown dress and filmed her in front of the green screen with the idea that we could put her into the world of the imagination. And then the other parts of it were actually in her house at her desk with the idea that because she created the site, she would be trying to fight these um, software bugs that were popping up in the world of the imagination. And So we had to have her at her computer tapping away. Um, so, you know, we filmed that over about three days. I think it took us uh, to do that. And then just to add a little extra bonus is we wanted a castle for her. To look like her house because she doesn't really live in one. Um, so I went to Cardiff and got some footage of Cardiff Castle and you know we chose a clip to put in there to establish it. that's where she lived. Um, so that's all the live action um, footage and then for the machinery part of it we had about 40 characters submitted so then we had to... Uh, Modding Movie Storm was very difficult so we had to create 40 characters that people had submitted, um, I think we ended up we had more, but we narrowed it down to forty, so we had one per person. It took us ages to create these custom textures on different outfits, uh, and so we put all that together, and we had um, a huge battle sequence, which was not something that Movie Storm was designed for. So I used some sort of trickery there to make it look like there were thousands of people when there were just you know a handful, and. There's some other challenges, like there was no sword fighting animations. So I had to, there was swords, but you couldn't, there was no animations to make them look like that people were swinging them around. So I had to use, point them at a square box and set this box to be invisible and then point it to another one and hope that I'd positioned it so it looked like. Um, <laughs> oh, so <they're> wow. Like, <laughs> what a workaround. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all of that was sort of the machinery side of it. Um, I would built some of the sets. In movie storm before i went to do the film thing because the bit at the end of the film when kim appears to the uh all the characters they survived the battle and it's all the big party going on and she actually has to appear as herself in this virtual world i thought well it'd be easy to just film her and then put something in but now i wanted to make sure that she knew what the environment was going to look like so she comes out the crowd's going to be over there there's a fountain behind her and um, there's more people over there and this creature come, comes down to the sky, so we use it to figure out it's going to come from this direction and it's going to come and land here. And I kind of uh, hung something up on one of the, I don't know, what my hand's over there, you can't see it, I, on the, the curtain railing. So as sort of the, the point where Kim looks up and then I said, you know, wait five seconds and then bring your gaze down to here. And I think I had my hand out as the second spot. Um, so that her gaze would meet as the creature right, came down. Right, It would fit. Yeah. Um, so you, you kind of have to think about that. Uh, Kim was very pleased that I'd built the environment first, which if you're going to combine live action with the cinema, it's something that you should think about. Show as much your actors as much as possible about the virtual environment they're going to be in. Mm-hmm. Um Mark right. out as many places as you can, um, uh, you know, it makes their performance better. Um, so, What um, about
1: combining the footage together? What was that like?
0: Um, it's just basic uh, green screen compositing using Sony Vegas. Um, we had to light the room with every single light we could get. Uh, when, when we were setting up, there were not enough lights in the room to Get it properly because her shadow was on the green screen behind Aye. which obviously causes problems so she went back to her house which is about you know, a quarter of an hour drive away came back with a armfuls of lights that she'd taken from different rooms and we set them all, plugged them in and, <laughs> and set them all up around and that gave us the, the lighting we needed oh good yeah um so obviously lighting is important and space is as well because if you stand even if you've got really good lighting if you stand right in front of the green screen you're going to get shadows um, behind you. So, you need the actor to be away from the green screen, but you also need more space on the other side so the, they're not right up against the camera, because otherwise, you're going to get this like this. Um, so, the hotel room was just about big enough for what we needed. Um, ideally, it probably was an even bigger space, but you know we had to make do with what we had available. Right. right. Um, so, now, yeah. The, took-
1: the name of the film was called What the Great Insect War? Was that it?
0: the great bug war,
1: the great bug war.
0: Yeah. Uh, we released it in five installments and then afterwards I edited them all together into sort of a, a 15 minute long film, which is, that's now what we show people. Right. Um, were you happy with how it turned out the combination of the two? Yeah. I mean, I'd never done anything like that before. Um, I know that if I did it now, I'd use iClone to create the, the virtual environment. So it probably looked better, but I was really pleased with how it turned out. And, um, the combination and just the, the pure machinery out of it i'm really happy with that as well it's kind of we watched um all the battle scenes from lord of the rings many times to get a feel for what we wanted we weren't you know recreating anything specific but we wanted to people to sort of watch you think oh that was like that um so yeah it was a huge challenge but it was worth it and uh, i, I remember when
1: it came out i enjoyed it very much I was uh, very impressed with the I had no idea you were, were creating it in such rough and ready uh, methods, you know, sort of <laughs> scrabbling to try to get the right lighting, you know, yeah. as it certainly looked great. And nowadays, as you as you say, I clone, you can recreate character creator can recreate the characters just like that. And you can order pretty much any size a green screen that's collapsible, collapsible yeah, and you can just assemble it and put it up anywhere and you can buy the lights that you uh, you can buy a kit yeah. for that nowadays so if you wanted to use that method that you're using which I think is a more traditional method uh, it's pretty easy to do I would imagine two or three hundred dollars outlay for lights and that to get the right photography for it yeah
0: we didn't have access to anything that we the green screen was just big sheets of green card that we got from a nearby supermarket <laughs> and we t- use sellotape to take them all together. And, and it kind of went all across the room. There's, there's some behind the scenes pictures, which I will include in this video. Please. So you yeah. See.
1: yeah. How about you, Tracy? What are your thoughts on combining machinimum with uh, live action performance?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're seeing a lot more of this than we, than we used to. Cause I, I think, I mean, that sounds a massively complex en- endeavor, Damien. Um, um, but I, I but I think, you know, I think the tool sets are changing and making it kind of much more accessible way of of creating um uh you know interesting stories uh, and and um artworks really. Um I mean you know, I'm just sort of thinking of, you know, on Phil's film The Zomboid Run thing, where he was kind of cutting between the two things and it you know it's a pretty obvious way to to use machinima with real life isn't it you know sort of cuts 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 the you know cuts the the games into uh fantastical parts of the story where you know you can't use real real life to sort of tell a story or and vice versa um to sort of connect the two things together but I, but i actually think now with with um, with new, you know, new types of production studio emerging, along the lines of of you know what we've seen with Mando, but at considerably smaller scale, I think before long we're going to see a lot more folks um, using these kinds of production techniques um, to to integrate kind of real life action with these sort of CG effects, using these three D environments uh, as backdrops i just think it's getting easier to do it um and you know i'll give you an example here we're increasingly looking at these kinds of studios at universities as part of filmmaking courses and you know virtual production types of courses um and alongside that of course you know we we're seeing uh, a lot more use of motion capture technologies some of it's pretty cheap to use we've seen lots of that on on this show um and it's You know, it's it's live puppeteering with with 3D assets, which, you know, I can remember Hugh talking about this donkey's years ago where, um, you know, he was using, I don't know whether it was World of Warcraft um, characters that he was puppeteering live. And I don't know if you guys can remember also the Rooster Teeth guys doing similar sort of thing in live shows that they were doing. So it's not it's not new techniques but the tools make it so much easier to- Much easier. uh, To do it. And then of course, well, I was going to say, the other thing that we've seen, of course, is this V-tubing stuff um, that, again, Damien, you talked about that last month, um, where you're basically using your movement with an animated um, character, um, just using a webcam. Um, And I think, you know, you'll see that in a more sophisticated Level two, I mean, we've just been um, testing out um, iPySoft um, as as markerless motion capture, um, which you can hook up to animations really quickly, really easily. So this kind of, these combinations of technologies, I think are going to be so much easier for people to use. And then the other thing that I was gonna say is, you know, we're, we're now into the next gen of augmented reality tools also. And that and that's uh, you know kind of you know where we're seeing advances in spatial computing uh and people you know now demanding better content um through these augmented reality kind of tools, where where you've got this combination of virtual and real meshed together um and being captured through these these um head-mounted tool sets and whatnot. I think we're on the cusp of something that makes this technology, um, you know, it, 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 I think demand has kind of exceeded the capability of what it's, what it's been about. But I actually think that's now beginning to turn tide. And I think hmm. these new kinds of thin- synthesized experiences are definitely going to become something that's realizable. Um, beyond the purely entertainment, um, things that that it is at at yes. the moment into something that's much more meaningful. So I think we're on the cusp of something really interesting, which all of a these really good things um, demonstrate. That's my yeah. view on it. Yeah,
1: that's great. I agree with you 100. I'd like to point out a couple things. One is is there's a there's essentially two ways to do live action. You take a 3D or a 2D character, and you put them in a real live situation background or you have an artificial background and you have 3d real you know real people in the front uh so it's foreground background difference there was a series that i saw and i'm sorry i can't remember it Um, i will research and make sure that i put that down in our notes but it was a series i saw last year that i just found by searching through youtube and what the guy did he created a sort of compelling charles bukowski like story of a sort of street bum guy and his friend in los angeles and the characters were 2d and he used a 2d animation program to you know mark them and get them to do all the stuff you want but he actually went to real locations in los angeles and did videotape Mm -hmm. and then composited them together. Mm -hmm. And what that did is that it made, because they, they, in the dialogue, they talk about LA and they talk about what they're doing and how they're going to do this and that. And it made, the the trick is, is to getting, making sure that the, the foreground and the background blend together, they work together. So the way that he created the 2D characters, he colored them in such a way that they fit with the backgrounds that he chose. You know what I mean? If he used a super high contrast cartoon look to it, the contrast would have been too great and you wouldn't have believed it. But he colored them and shaped them and then also did realistic you know, gestures and dialogue so that they blended together just right. And vice versa, your work in uh, The Great Bug War, you were at pains to get the live actors to respond correctly. To the scenic elements yeah. and they blended well together so that's the trick the tools are there to to make it <laughs> and the trick is figuring how to blend them in terms of your compositing now lastly i wanted to point out that uh many months ago we talked about a special effects filmmaker named phil Tippett. Mm-hmm. he's he won many academy awards for just dozens of films well he spent 30 years working on a, uh, a private private. Uh, stop motion project Now, 30 years that is incredible that's a challenge and the fact that he completed well he completed it and we reported on some of the trailers that were out well i finally got a chance to see the entire film um just recently i think it's on one of the hulu maybe or netflix Mm -hmm. one of the online things you can find out and uh, it's just uh, it's like My partner, Lisa, described it as a visual visual poem Hmm. because there's really no dialogue in it. There's some grunting and animal sounds, but there's no dialogue or subtitles. So the entire story is told visually. But what surprised me, because it wasn't included in any of the uh, trailers, was that he combined live action as some of the important parts of it. I would say maybe 10, 15 minutes of live action interacting with the stop motion people. And what and now you have to remember, that it's a very strange film. And the look, the colors, the textures, the shapes are all very, very unique, grungy, dark, gothic. So when he shot his real footage, he had to make sure that the characters had that same look. And were colored and rendered and 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 um, composited in such a way that they fit into the world, and they certainly did. They most certainly did. And in fact, in many ways, they were stranger than the 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 crazy three D characters that he was doing stop motion with. They were so strange. But his blend of those two was masterful. So, if you're looking for a modern example of how to do that, Phil Tippett's film *Mad God* is a good one to watch for uh, seeing what the modern tools you can with that. Hmm. Uh, but overall, I think it's an underused aspect of machinima filmmaking. I recall Second Life having a lot of interesting experiences with uh, combining live action footage. V- v- uh, who was the fellow? is uh, an Indian filmmaker starts with a B.
2: Hmm. <laughs> oh. Um... Tootsie. Well, to- tootsie 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 vanna yeah
1: tootsie. anyway he is a, he's a person tootsie combines uh second yes, life does. with live action a lot in a way and he, sometimes he colorizes the the scenes in such a way that it contrasts as opposed to blends which is intuitively not intuitive But he does it for a style look, like, for example, riding on an Indian train or riding around on a scooter in India. He puts that together with these sort of soulful and mournful monologues about places and things. Navaratna. Navaratna. Tootsie Navarata. I apologize, Tootsie, for not remembering your your name and your last name but anyway he's another great example of combining live action footage Mm. from second life and he's been doing that for over a decade Mm. and it's fantastic but it's underused if you're a machinima filmmaker today and you're interested in doing something that's different and unusual combining live action with machinima is a great time great technique and this is the real good time to do it because as tracy pointed out the tools to be able to do it are much better and easier to use today.
0: Yeah, so I think we had an excellent discussion there about the different aspects of combining uh, live action with machine there's some examples um, in different ways it's been used. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes in the future. Obviously, uh, I know we've talked about the Mandalorian and Star Trek before, and they use it quite well. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what people at home do to combine uh, the two Um, um, for me myself one of the things I'm doing at the moment it's not exactly live action footage but I've been going outside and taking 360 photos of different environments Mm. and then using them in virtual environments in um, iClone and Omniverse because you get the realistic environment because it's a real environment it's just a picture of it as a environment, because you get things like the sunsets and as you, your background, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Mm. Um, so I've, I've been learning that and I think that works well. I mean,
1: it's a great technique,
0: yeah. Mm. And you, of I course, mean, if, if you get the light, if you set it to be an emissive texture, you've got the lighting is lighting up your entire scene realistically as well. Yeah,
2: I mean, Marvel. another thing I've got running at the moment is a <laughs> photogrammetry competition, um, with the art AI festival that I run. But um, what what we're trying to do here is get folks to capture using point cloud technology parts of a street in in the city that I work at in, and um, what what I'm hoping for is that people create some interesting renders from the footage that they capture, hmm. um, and that's another way of uh, mixing, um, you know, different types of data set to um, you know create real and virtual assets. um, I think So there's lots of different techniques and tools that you can use these days. Um, Some more easy to use than others. Yep. But now's a good time to get into it. If you're interested
1: Mm. in combining live action, which is it's it's less challenging than it used to be, but it does take some work Mm -hmm. and a little Mm -hmm. bit of money to get it right. But if you're interested in that, it's a great time to do it. You know, I'll I'll link the fellow that um, that I talked about his series because it's so compelling Mm uh using uh, real locations and video he took video of streets and alleys and rooms and bars and places like that And i just think that's a great way to to combine live action and um uh, and video
0: yeah. and animation i think you're right it's, it's, and the tools like if you're going to combine some live action footage all you need oh the green <clears throat> screens covered it is a phone because This Mm. These kind of phones did not exist when I made the bug war. If they did, it made made the project a lot easier uh, because I could have just, you know, had that. I had to find a camera that I could record on and uh, one of the problems we had was it had about 15 minutes of battery life and it would just (laughs) eat through the batteries. Uh, And so we we went through a whole load of batteries that we can must have damaged the environment (laughs) quite (laughs) considerably. But um, now you could just film on your phone and uh, you know yeah. everyone's got phone now or pretty much everyone has so you could you've got the tool right there and you've got the software on your computer so you know see what we can do with it
1: you could actually with the phone you could do all aspects of combining uh, live action with footage because you could do a stop motion with your phone yeah. uh, for a set and then film the actors and then composite them Um uh, da vinci resolve um uh Blackmagic software puts out a, a great compositor. It's included with DaVinci Resolve, which is a video editor. That's a good way to get a free package to do compositing. Compositing meaning you're, you're composing a scene with several layers of objects. So you'd have the live action in one layer and then the background in another layer and you composite it. And the tools allow you to blend those two together in a way that they work together.
2: So great think, advice there.
0: yeah so i think that's pretty much it for this week um it's been great talking to both of you hopefully phil will be uh feeling better <laughs> for yes, next time we hope he'll be better and
1: back with us uh with his usual ebullient comments
0: <laughs> um so thank you everyone for listening uh if you have any uh comments about the films or combining live action and machinima footage please send us uh We do read out the feedback you send and we respond to it. Right, Um, it's
1: talk at machinima.com. That's the email you can send us.
0: Thank you. Um, So uh, thank you, Tracy. You're welcome. And Ricky. Glad to be back and talking with you both. Good to have you back and we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye Bye. Bye Bye-bye.